Hello, No Code Nation. I'm Ayush, and you're listening to my No Code Story, the only no code podcast focused on real people and their authentic stories. Welcome to the future of the indie movement, where creators, freelancers, automators, and founders build products all without writing a single line of code. If you have a business idea and you're just learning about no-code tech, this is the best companion podcast for your journey. Learn from some of the best minds in no-code. Let's go. Before we get started, I have a small favor to ask. If you like what you hear on today's episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps more people benefit from the pod and lets me know that we're on the right track. Now, onto the show. Hey everyone, I'm Vensi Krishna. I'm a no-code operator and educator, and this is my no-code story. This episode is sponsored by Begin. Whether you're a startup or a small business, such as a freelancer, creator, solopreneur, or an agency, you can manage your business as effectively as any large company. Did you know this? With the current market, it's more critical than ever to stay on top of customer relationships. And you can do this with your business today by saying no to spreadsheets. Begin by Zoho CRM supercharges your workflow and helps you engage prospects, manage pipelines, and close deals without skipping a beat. It has a super simple drag-and-drop no-code interface which will have you up and running in under 30 minutes. And for a limited time, you can get 50% off with my custom link. Just go to zoho.to forward slash no-code story. That's zoho.to forward slash no-code story. Manage your small business like a pro with Begin by Zoho CRM. Vensi, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming you back on the podcast right? And uh, you have this distinct title of being the only person on the pod to be back for the second time. So um, apart from Seth, of course, who I've started partnering with now, and and he's a co-host on the podcast. So welcome back. It's great to have you on. Amazing. Thank you so much for inviting me again. I think I was probably the first guest on your show the last year. And just so much has happened since then that, um, you know, we have so much content to talk about today, even though this is my second time. Uh, Thank you so much for inviting me and I'm so happy and so proud of all the progress that the podcast has made so far and your own progress as a podcaster. Yeah, I I hope so. I hope the quality that people are seeing in the recent episodes is much better than some of the first episodes. I know you were our guest number one on the podcast and now I actually have, we have 50 plus recordings, uh, so 50 plus guests have appeared on the podcast over the course of like 18 months, uh, we're up to, you know, close to 10,000 uh, listens, uh, cumulative and, and so on. So a lot of good stuff has happened. But I know there's a lot of good stuff happening on your end as well. Uh, you took a full-time gig with uh, with OnDeck. You've been doing a lot of stuff on the side. Um, how have, like, uh, walk us through like the last few months maybe and what are some of the things you're focused on? Is, is no-code still a primary area of focus for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think my first uh, time I was talking about how I made the shift from law to digital marketing to no code, uh, but that's been it's 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 been a while since that has happened. 
I've been in the no-code space uh, for a while now. And while I started as a no-code operator, the shift that's happened in the last few months is that I've uh, transitioned to no-code education full-time. So I think that's the one change that I'd like to talk about today is I've been a no-code operator for, for about four years now um, in different companies and consulting my own company. Uh, so after a while, I also, uh, as you as you rightly pointed out, I joined on deck. Um, I led the no-code ops for our candidates team there. Um, then I also led the no-code education until I left the company earlier this year. So with that experience, uh, one of the primary reasons why I was really excited about dabbling in no-code education full-time is because I've seen firsthand what is possible for startups um, and fast-growing companies that embrace no-code and just uh, what is possible for teams that are empowered with the no-code know-how and, and just how quickly they can grow and, and just how uh, satisfying that journey can be for the whole team, even if they are non-technical people. So that is a reason why I wanted to explore getting into no-code education full-time and bring that knowledge to a large number of people, especially because almost on a daily basis, I've been getting DMs about launching courses and launching workshops and just structured instruction for anyone who's interested in getting into the space. Now, this was not the case last year. This was not the case when we were talking about this stuff last year. Um, I think that no code has hit a, a very serious inflection point sometime in 2021, a point of no return. There's no way of you can there's no way of reversing this change, where people are taking it seriously. People know that no code is not a plaything anymore, and they want to build serious careers on it. And they are looking at people like us who have been here for a while to guide them and to mentor them as they begin this new chapter in their lives. So that is something that I'm working on even right now, something that truly excites me because when people take it so seriously, that is when you know that expertise is built in specific tools, people become masters and there's new opportunities created for everyone, new jobs are created and people are able to create more value overall. And if I might add, I think education and just helping people become better at their craft has been one of the core things that you've focused on, I think pretty much from, from day one. Because if I remember right, back when you were still studying law, you created a platform that helped other people that were aspiring to join the, the legal profession, if you will, to adopt better technology and, and uh, learn the basics and so on and so forth. So this is not like a new thing for you. You've been constantly helping people. Is, is that something that you want to continue focusing on? Uh, I know you're right now 100% dedicated to education, but what, what are you visualizing for yourself over the next few months and years? I'm so glad you remember. So when I was in law school, um, I started this company called Law School 101. And in fact, I've been teaching since I was 18 years old. And while my career has taken so many turns and, and just uh, so many new opportunities, doors that opened that I chose to pursue, I think one common theme across all of these years since 2013 has been teaching. Teaching has been something that has been constant for me. Whatever I learn, I love to teach. 
and I do identify teaching as a way in which I master my own craft. So when I was a lawyer, I was teaching law. When I went into digital marketing, I was teaching communication strategy, digital marketing, social media, content creation, all of that. And then when I went into no code full time, I started teaching no code. And uh, even today, if you open my YouTube channel, I do have recordings of all the workshops that I created for free. Like they are still there. And um, what is missing that I haven't done so far is probably a structured curriculum, um, a, a structured form of learning for anyone who's who wants a clear path as to where they start and a clear destination. And that's what curriculum design is. And I'm really glad to work on something like that. I think there are a few courses already outside uh, of whatever I'm doing that have uh, that, that, that are working on this problem of educating beginners. But what I think I can bring here is my extensive experience of being an actual no-code operator who's actually led these no-code teams at companies, who's consulted with startups and companies to set up their systems and teams. So I can also, not not only can I help you with the beginner stage of how do I get into no-code, which I've already been doing for the past year and a half, but I can also show a meaningful path of what happens after you get into no-code, uh, what different paths are there, how do you pursue them, how do you get a job, and, and actually helping you land a job. So that I think is something that is missing in the ecosystem, just because we're so early, which is so early at no code, even though it's been a year, I would still say that it's, it's really early as to where we're sitting and talking. I think the next decade has some really exciting opportunities for anyone who chooses to get into no code today. I agree. And a lot of what you were doing in the past, if I remember, was uh, you know teaching people how to pick up Notion and really accelerate their productivity aspect of, of their workflow. Um, and then you've also been teaching specific no-code tools for building websites and stuff like that. But I want to bring up a tweet that I saw on your uh, on your timeline recently, which says, the best advice for no-coders is don't stick to one tool. Explore everything and gain expertise in several tools. The core of your skill is not tool expertise, it's problem solving. And I kind of subscribe to that uh, quite a lot. Uh, but I also would imagine this uh, complicates your thought process in terms of how do you educate people in the no-code space? Because if you're going to be tool agnostic, then what is it that you're you're training them on? And I think you hit on this briefly, but I want you to dig in a little bit more. Like, what is that progression that people need to keep in mind from when they start using no-code technology to when they've become experts and they actually start building solutions for others? What does that progression look like? Uh, Put like a tool lens on it and then also tell us what your what your thoughts are guiding people through that progression. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought it up because there definitely are two ways of looking at this. But I stick to what I said in the tweet, which is that it is not a good idea to stick to a tool when you are dabbling in no code, especially relevant for beginners. But even if you work as a consultant, such as myself, right? I think that no-code is still so early. The ecosystem in general is not as mature for anyone to stick to one tool. It's not like coding where you become incredibly great at one particular language and then dabble in others so that you get this expertise in this one language. Unfortunately, we're not at that maturity of uh, the no-code ecosystem yet. I think we're heading there, 
maybe half a decade we'll be there but right now i don't think anyone can afford to stick to one tool because there's i think bubble is probably the biggest exception maybe webflow to an extent uh where you're able to get a bunch of things done on the same tool however there are there are other tools which are better at these tools when it comes to maybe speed maybe simplicity and depends on exactly what you're working on now if you want me to give you an example with uh, a tool lens the projects that i've worked on often require problems to be solved really quickly the three projects that i usually bring up would be the covid uh, project that i worked on the legal tech project that i worked on um another one was a directory of high iq content all of these projects were built in like 2 hours or 1 hour now if i used bubble if i was only a bubble developer i would not have launched those projects in the time that it took and they would not have been as successful as they were just because they needed to be put out very quickly and also they needed to be reiterated quickly one of the advantages of no code is how simple it is to launch these projects at the time that people have a demand for those kind of solutions so the covid project if i try to build it on bubble no matter how much of an expert i am it still takes a lot of time to build the back end and the front end and the landing page that actually works and that and also optimizing that for mobile not to mention the bubble responsive engine was not was was not live back then and so the best tool that i knew that would work was glide and it wasn't even software it was glide because my back my back end wasn't glide uh, was was on uh, google sheets right. and software only supported airtable back then so that's just one example i think that there's very few tools which are sophisticated enough that will give you the power to do anything and even then they might be lacking other tool other aspects such as speed and simplicity so if you're beginning your journey at no code and you want to know what your path is next first of all i think even before you decide to master or again expertise in one tool you're better off exploring a bunch of things before you settle in on one and that one tool is usually going to be bubble or webflow depending on exactly what kind of interest you have what 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 your end goal is but apart from that i think if you are consulting and you have a varied kind of amount varied numbers of projects and varied number of people that you consult with you always need to know exactly what tool is best for what purpose and this is not an expertise argument of course if you spend a bunch of time in just one tool you will become the best at it but i don't think that you need to devote your full time on bubble to become a bubble expert plenty of bubble experts that i know are really good at a, a lot of other tools just because of how nascent the field is that you can afford to gain expertise in multiple tools if especially if you're doing something like this full time and even if you're not doing this full time it's a really good idea to explore and dabble in multiple tools before you decide where your expertise is going to be so that's how i think about it of course there's two ways of looking at it uh, you can see the debate that's raging on that thread but i stick to what i say no that that makes a ton of sense and um i want to get into bubble specifically because i think it's a very unique product in the no code ecosystem with respect to the amount of complexity that it allows you to bring to the table and the types of problems it allows you to solve and so on so i know for example i've interviewed people that have built bubble agencies uh, like freelance agencies that 
exclusively focus on using Bubble to solve problems for their customers. And they could be using like a combination of code and other no-code solutions. Um, so I want to come back to Bubble specifically, but uh, walk me through this process of building something in a couple of hours. For some someone that might be just new to no-code, they might still be grappling with, you know, how do you actually go from an idea to having an MVP or maybe even a reasonably functioning product within a couple of hours? So let's uh, let's kind of imagine you being put into that spot. What's your thought process like? Like, what are some of the decisions that you're making in those first few minutes before you start building? And what does that two-hour build timeline look like? That's a great question. This is where the expertise argument comes in. When you spend so much time on multiple tools, you know exactly where your solution lies. So the moment I see a problem, I'm just giving you an example of one of my projects, for example. Uh, the moment you see a problem, you know exactly what that solution looks like. As in, what does the solution need to do? In a very simple way, what is your MVP? And most likely it's distilled into three points, um, who you're targeting, why, and what can you do better than other tools? Usually it's like three points there and you have uh, your value proposition on your landing page in, one of, in, in the three points that I just mentioned. So when you know that's what the solution looks like, you having dabbled in multiple tools already, you know exactly what tool you can use because there's, pros and cons for every one of those tools. If you don't use Bubble, of course, it's going to be very simplistic and maybe it's not too custom. Maybe you can't inject code later or you can't build APIs into your product. But here's the deal. Sometimes you just need a really simple project that works. You don't need sophistication. You just need something really easy to build and something that's just easy on the eye for your first few customers. Maybe you want to build it out later in bubble when you need that kind of sophistication. But in the beginning, if you know that it's very simple, it's going to be a directory product that has a few networking community elements, then you know that software glide, all of those tools take really good care of it when you don't have to spend a ton of time on design or you know the, just the UI, UX aspect of things like bubble does. So the way you do it is when you see a problem, then you have enough experience working on all of these tools. And the way I built my experience is just building these fun projects just to explore what each of these tools does. Some of these tools, are, some of these projects that I built are not even public. I just did it because it's fun. Having exercised my build on muscle in that way, in all of those tools and all of those projects, it's uh, easy for me to understand what the pros and cons are of each of these tools. And I think that's an incredibly useful uh, skill to have in your arsenal because it saves a lot of time and it hits the nail right when it's important for your customers. So that's step one, identifying the problem, understanding what the solution can look like and figuring out what this tool or set of tools is going to be. And then the second thing is you build it out. This is again the expertise argument where having spent a bunch of time on these tools, it becomes easy for you to ship something that works in a very short amount of time. Because I've built my, um, because I've developed my builder muscle for years, it doesn't matter what tool I use, I know exactly how to build out a solution in one hour. Now, of course, that is not possible for something like Bubble or Webflow because they're extensive 
extensively customizable tools. But if you give me a tool like Glide or Software or Type Dream or Card, one of those things, even if I don't have any prior experience on it, it just becomes easy for me to figure out how to make something work. And that is true of anyone. If you spend enough time on tools and building solutions, maybe just fun projects for your friends or family, you know exactly what you're working with so that when these big problems come before you, you know how to go about it. So step, step two is just heads down building. And it's the, the sooner you can do it, the better. And the third thing that's very important for me is design and the communication strategy. Maybe it is because of my experience as a digital marketer, but uh, it's very important for me to have a consistent branding, even if it's a free product or a small product. So right. a logo and the color scheme, the fonts. So that's the third thing that I make sure it's, it's good so that it's a, it's a whole package. The moment my product is live, I make sure that all of this checklist is, is stayed. Yeah, that's such a great framework to, uh, to kind of put things into perspective. So to summarize what you were saying there, the first step is always visualizing not just the problem, but also what a potential solution could look like and using that to kind of guide your decision on what tools to use. The second step is actually building uh, an MVP or building the product and taking the steps needed to translate your ideas into something tangible. And the third one is giving it a little bit more polish and, and, and starting to make it more presentable, if you will. And this idea of building that muscle, building uh, some kind of a muscle memory in terms of not only getting from a problem to a solution, but also figuring out the right tools to use to come up with that. Um, that is a, a practice skill, like you were saying. And one of the things that I've seen you tweet recently uh, that helps with this is something called No Code Weekend. Do you want to tell us about No Code Weekend and um, you know why have you been tweeting about it? Like, Are you involved with the project and have you benefited from it, et cetera? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I founded No Code Weekend last year to help people launch a project in just a weekend. My previous projects, like as, as I mentioned, a bunch of them, the most successful of them, in fact, have been built under really tight deadlines and under a lot of pressure. And that is exactly when I built uh, my skills and I supercharged my learning. So that's what happens when you put yourself under a tight deadline and uh, a lot of support and pressure from the community who are rooting for you, people who are waiting for you to finish. So one of the ways in which I think uh, that can be replicated is in the form of a hackathon. And No Code Weekend is nothing but a hackathon that gives you the support and the guidance that you need to start and finish your first No Code project or your second or third No Code project in just a weekend. So it's really good for beginners who want to check out what No Code is and if they really can build and ship an MVP in a weekend, in which case I will be showing beginners who, how to do that. I do have a workshop where they can start their journey. But even if you're an intermediate or an expert no-coder, what no-code weekend does is give you a framework where you can challenge yourself to build something and ship something in just two days. So that's what no-code weekend is about. The charges are free. Uh, like there's no monetary benefit that myself or the team gets out of this. Uh, we do reach out to the no code tools 
to sponsor prizes, but they are in kind, uh, kind of sponsorship where people who won the No Code Weekend will get prizes from these companies. This time we have Type Dream. Previously we had Softer as our sponsors. Uh, now we have Type Dream as our sponsors and they're giving a really generous subscription to the first three prizes. And uh, we also have Fueler, which is a portfolio website where you can display all of your uh, projects proudly. So we have Fueler su supporting a few prizes as well. Now, I'll just tell you a little bit about the structure so you have an idea of how this sure. works. First, uh, we kick off the weekend on Saturday morning or Friday evening, depending on what your time zone is. We do have those workshops that I was telling you about where I'll be teaching beginners on how to go from zero to one. We also have a few interviews with our judges. This time we have Colleen and Glenn, who are my really good friends from ODNC1 and also really prolific no-coders in their own right, who are quite active on Twitter and who've been guiding a bunch of beginners to launch their no-code projects. And after the Sunday is done, after, after your build is done on Saturday and Sunday, if you, if you submit your project to us by the deadline, we will also choose a few finalists to actually pitch the project in front of the judges and a panel of audience. So if you manage to be a finalist, you stand a chance to pitch your project in about two to three minutes, take questions and also be eligible to be a winner in the event. So that is how it works. That's pretty amazing to think that, uh, you know, you could go from just having an idea through a guided process to coming up with something and then actually pitching it to a, uh, to a, to a forum all within a weekend. And um, I can actually see this idea taken off quite a bit. So I'm really excited to, you know, help you promote this idea and get more people involved in really building. And uh, I see a lot of your projects are really focused on making people comfortable with the idea of um, not only building and taking those ideas and creating projects from them, but also failing fast and not really attaching themselves to any one idea uh, particularly too much. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about the bootcamp initiative that you have going as well and how people can uh, get embedded into that ecosystem? Amazing. Right now I have two active projects. The first one is No Code Weekend, which we just talked about. Uh, it's happening on June 17th to June 19th, that weekend. The second project that I'm working on is called the Career Growth Camp. The idea behind the Career Growth Camp is really simple. We've been hearing about mass layoffs and company reorgs and just companies shutting down and it has impacted uh, uh, several people, including my own friends. And something that I have been doing the past month is helping some of these people find their next step in their career, upskilling and learning new skills that might help them add more value to their current roles or even branch off as freelancers or start their own side projects. So there are a set of skills that I believe are incredibly invaluable for anyone who is interested in working in tech or even launching their own projects, even if they are non-technical to begin with. So while I was teaching some of these skills to a few of my friends and some of the people that I'm guiding, some of them suggested that I make all of this available in a structured format so that it is available to 
more people and that people can benefit from something like this. So that was the idea behind the career growth camp. It's a very intense crash course. I wouldn't say it is a, um, it's not, it's not a comprehensive course. It's a, it's a crash course. It's an intense introduction to some of these skills that are really invaluable for you to progress in your career. The kind of stuff that I'm covering will be task management, project management, um, databases, automations, personal branding, building your personal website, portfolio, social media marketing, content marketing, content creation, that kind of stuff. These are uh, not really taught in any one course right now. Um, Some of the stuff I've covered in my YouTube videos, but what I'm doing in this five day camp is hosting live sessions where people can join and build something from start to finish in that live co-building session with me and actually have something tangible to take away from that session at the end of every day. So these sessions are quite short. They will be recorded and of course they'll be made available in case people can't join them. But the goal of it is to introduce you to some of these topics which you can continue building on in the next few weeks and months so that you identify things that you absolutely love and find some specialization in those skills or even just be empowered with a range of skills that will help you bring more to the job that you're doing. Yeah, that's that's such a great concept and also so timely because um, I was just looking and I think I came across this in the All In podcast, but um, I was looking at layoffs.fyi and May uh, happened to be one of the months that had the most layoffs in recent history, right? So it's all through um, summer of 2020, all the way up until up until now, May has had the highest number of layoffs and we've seen around 16,900 uh, layoffs just in May 2022 alone. And uh, Q2 for 2022, which is which we're still in the throes of, um, uh, represents the highest number since Q2 of 2020, which was you know the early COVID timeframe. So I think timing-wise, this is great um, to enable people to basically go through a foundations course and uh, help them think through how they can upskill themselves and differentiate themselves from everyone else that's applying for some of the same jobs in in the current market. So kudos to you on that. Um, I think uh, a, a suggestion there might be partnering with organizations that would be willing to interview some of these candidates. So if you have like a tangible path for people to go from building up their skills to companies that need some of those skills, and maybe these are entry-level positions still, but this could be a really great way of kind of uh, giving them that next step as well. But again, kudos on on taking on some of these projects. I see that you know, education is something near and dear to you. Um, I want to rewind the clock a little bit and talk about uh, 2021, where you had a project that you built during the um, during the tough days of COVID, if I can put it that way, in, in India, where the Delta variant was uh, really spreading like wildfire in 2021. And uh, you created a project that helped people find uh, resources. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I know you got recognized for it as well. And I want to kind of highlight some of the impact that uh, no-code tech can have in this dynamic world environment that we're in. And anyone can have an idea and anyone can use no-code tools to really create an impact for using their their idea as, as a forum. So do you want to talk a little bit about that uh, COVID project that you took on? 
Yeah, sure. I can't believe it's been so long. Um, I think our interview, the first time that I talked to you, I think was just before yep. the COVID wave hit us. Um, so the TLDR on it is that when COVID was raging in India in April 2021, our healthcare system collapsed overnight, which meant that there were severe shortages of oxygen, hospital beds, medicines, and critical care that people needed at that time. So one thing that uh, we saw happen was people were trying to connect with the direct providers of these resources so that they can arrange for care for their loved ones. Some of these resources were listed in a few Google Sheets and having just taught Glide uh, for a workshop at that point, when I saw the Google Sheet, I realized that Google Sheets in general weren't as actionable in the time of a crisis as much as a progressive web app would be, for example, on Glide, which would open not only on phones and tablets, but also on computers. So when I saw the Google Sheets, it immediately connected to me that a Google Sheet could be transformed into an app. And so what I did was I spent a little time Connecting, uh, Google, I, I, connect, I collected some data, put it on a Google Sheet, and I connected that to a Glide app. And so I, after that, I just gave it a little bit of break. I got back to what I was doing. And then six to 10 hours later, I go back. And then I realized that there's 10,000 users on the app already. Wow. That is when I realized that the situation outside was really terrible and that people are desperately searching for resources and that I had to focus on building this project for the foreseeable future. So because it was Glide and because it was Google Sheets, it was really easy to iterate and focus on what people needed the most in that moment, integrate it with Google Analytics and figure out exactly where the demand was and also build a team that was able to volunteer, even though they had no tech skills or primarily non-technical team. But since it was based on Google Sheets, it was really easy for us to build this out and and for me to train them to use this app and build this app better. So the next few weeks, what happened was we focused on building the team. It was just a small team initially, and then we exploded to more than 100 volunteers who were working on the app, uh, working completely asynchronously and remotely and then also serving our exploding user base. Initially it was 10,000, by the end of 24 hours it was 20,000 users. At the end of the first week it was 100,000 users. And then uh, at our peak we were serving 400,000 users uh, through this app. And so while this was exploding, there were many politicians and celebrities, including Priyanka Chopra, who shared about our work. And so we got uh, a lot of recognition for the work we were doing, which led the government to reach out and partner with us. And so we were able to expand the scope of our help to the community at a time like that. So that was uh, in a nutshell of, of what happened during those three to four months of peak COVID in, in India. And while I was doing this, because there were so many other communities who needed this kind of help, I also hosted a no-code building workshop, a co-building workshop on how to build and launch an exact replica of our app with templates and, and just guides on how to do that. And 5,000 people attended that workshop and there were countless COVID apps that came out of that talk. And so many communities benefited from that instruction 
think that was my one of my biggest workshops in um, the no code space which really opened my eyes to what happens when people are empowered to create these solutions at the grassroots or community level and so i think that was a big turning point of me um considering no code education as a focus point as opposed to no code ops which i was already doing for a lot of time at that point and that's so impactful i mean i can't even get my head around like 400000 people using your app at any given point in time let alone the amount of impact that they're having given where uh, the community was at that point in time and then you just supercharge that by enabling people to build the same type of application for their own communities so it's just hats off to you and i know there was a broader team like a volunteer team involved in building this and getting the word out as well so congrats to everyone on that um i want to kind of wrap up by talking a little bit uh, about um some of the updates that you, you might have for our, for our audience on the personal front i know you've taken a break from uh, working full time but as we've just talked about uh, you know in the past few minutes you have your hands more than full with the current education related projects that you have going um what do the next few months look like for you on the personal front like what 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 are your personal goals like how are you thinking about this yeah um may has been a really difficult time not just because of the layoffs um you know going my my friends going through it and, and seeing them and their families go through something so uh, traumatic but also in my personal life there's a bunch of updates updates that i've been posting on twitter as well uh the first thing is that i've been diagnosed with endometriosis which is uh one of the most painful conditions in in a human body i have end stage endometriosis which means that it can't get any worse than that uh, then that requires continuous treatment right. which i'm going through right now and probably a surgery some somewhere down the line getting all the um information and the support that i need at this point just to make the right decisions at this time um just a couple of days right after my diagnosis i found out that my dog is terminally ill and so i'm having to take she has been under full time care for a while now but right now i i am taking care of her and spending some time with her and then yeah at the same time um you know just just so many there's a lot of stuff that's been happening in my personal life that i have not necessarily talked about right. in the public domain but essentially uh, very chaotic the past few weeks have been really chaotic which uh, finally led me to decide to take um at least 6 months off full time employment just so that i can focus on myself for sure but also um work on projects asynchronously where i have the time and space to devote to them so no code weekend is a good example because it's um a really impactful event that introduces people to no code uh but the career growth camp is really personally close to me as well because there's so many people who have been impacted right now and I'd love to contribute in any way to help them find their next chapter so that is where i am right now personally just two active projects apart from that my personal goals really are to work on healing and growing as a person and you know, spend some more time uh doing the stuff that i love um for example reading and journaling that kind of stuff well uh thank you for sharing that deeply personal aspect of uh of your life i i hope you you feel better and um 
the, the treatment kind of helps with your diagnosis and so on. Um, I, I think the aspect of self-care and being a little bit less hard on yourself is not really discussed as much in most areas of um, people's careers and lives, but it's a really important part of it. Um, uh, it's a really important part of ensuring that you stay top of your game with respect to some of the work and professional projects that you have going. So I really encourage everyone that's listening to this podcast to uh, uh, reflect and take a break for themselves and um, you know come back energized and again, give your best to the projects that you have going. Um, Vensi, I had a ton of fun talking to you again today. Um, I, I can't believe it's been a year and a few months uh, since we last spoke. It feels like yesterday, but um, I really appreciate everything that you've been doing for the no-code space. And um, I, I can't um, thank you enough for taking the time to be on the podcast. I had a ton of fun. I'm sure our audience got a ton out of this. And we'll have a link to all of your projects in the show notes as well. And um, I hope a lot of people in the audience uh, take the time to go through the boot camp and through the No Code Weekend project as well. And I wish you nothing but success over the next few months and years. And I'm sure we'll try to maintain a more frequent cadence of getting back in touch and getting back uh, together to discuss what's going on. But uh, thanks again for taking the time. It was great having you on. Thank you so much for inviting me again, Ayush. And I hope that the audience has found this useful and really happy to talk to anyone on Twitter. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Vincy. We'll speak soon. Thank you. All right. That was the show. Thank you for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed it and got a ton out of it. If you did, there are two things you need to do. Number one, make sure you subscribe to the show to get notified when a new no-code story drops. And number two, I want to ask you a favor. Who's the one person you know who would absolutely benefit from hearing this story? Text them right now and send them to mynocodestory.com and reference this episode. Maybe they're an entrepreneur. Maybe they can use this episode to level up at their job. Or maybe they're just someone who loves creating new things. Do it. Subscribe and then send them the text. Make a difference. Thanks again and I'll see you on the next one.